Hey guys, welcome to Fight Club. We exist to help men fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. Three things that we tend to lose a lot in our house is the car keys, the TV remote, or the charger for the phone. And when this happens, we get really desperate and we frantically look all over the house for to find these things and they end up in the weirdest places, right? Like the refrigerator or the pantry or the garage or, or the hamper, something like that. And it's just mindless, you know, not thinking about it, putting something down. But, but this is sometimes how we look for contentment. And we, are, we become desperate for it. We, we, we want to figure out how to get it. But the problem is we're looking in all the wrong places. Today I want to talk to you about um, pursuing contentment, and this is part two of this series. If you missed part one, I highly recommend you go back and listen to that first before you listen to this one. Um, I'll go ahead and define uh, contentment again for you. It is the internal satisfaction which does not demand changes in external circumstances. We break this down more um, in the last session. But this basically means changing scenery doesn't solve the problem of a discontent heart. It has to be internal satisfaction that takes place. And that can only be found through God, through faith in Jesus Christ. That is our only hope of being born again and being born again with the, through the Spirit of God is our only hope of finding true contentment that is eternal long-lasting contentment i want to read a couple of passages this uh in relation to this the first one is first timothy 6 verses 3 to 12 which says if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our lord jesus christ and the teaching that accords with godliness he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierce themselves with many pangs. So the primary concern here is actually not contentment. It's false teaching and false teachers. And the problem is, though, that, that false teaching, the false gospels, lead to unhealthy cravings. We see that in verse 4. And we often associate cravings with food, and that's, you know, that's a good example, but there's unhealthy cravings is about a whole lot more than that. Um, this is, in, in an unhealthy craving is basically, it's when it, something you really like 
becomes a demand, when a delight becomes a demand. Um, so we also, this is the definition of an idol. So it's not always about food. Sometimes it's about money, but it's also can be about other things, power, getting attention, being correct, being the right, winning debates, um, having control over other people and situations. And so really these things are symptoms of a heart that is not content. And what this does is this screws up how we view everything, how you see your world. And it's, this, is, this is the glass half empty instead of half full, right? Um, and so what happens is life, uh, we, we, we view our, our lives and we think life is horrible when really our lives are overflowing with blessings. And so it, it just mess, it's like putting on different lenses. You know, when you put on sunglasses, it darkens things. When you put on 3D lenses, it helps you see movies in 3D. Okay, so, so our unhealthy cravings, uh, it's like putting on lenses and it just screws up how we see life. And so life seems horrible. Um, and, and here's the, what he gets to here is that even godliness is messed up and how we see godliness. And godliness becomes a way to get what we want. In verse five, it says, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. And so basically, if I do this, God will get me this. If I follow everything on my religious to-do list, life will go well. In other words, I'll be wealthy and healthy, right? And, and satisfied is, is the lie. That's a lie. And that's not the purpose of godliness. That's like a performance to God will get us everything we want. Verse six gives us a different formula. Verse six says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Living for God is great, but contentment needs to be a part of that formula. It's not a tool to get what we want. It is a tool to help us find God and which is the only path to contentment. All other paths lead to destruction. Look at uh, verse nine. It's, if you're driving, you can't look. But uh, verse nine says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So there's your formula. Uh, and the world is full of traps and lies and God's word exposes them. This is why we need to be in the word so much because it, it exposes these, these traps and these lies to us and it redirects us to God, which is the only path to contentment. So check out First uh, Timothy 6. Go back and read that if you want. The next passage is 1 Corinthians 7. Verses 17 to 24, it says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. 
For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when you were called? Do not be concerned about it. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who is free when called as a bondservant of Christ, you were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. And he goes on, and I, I encourage you to read on. He goes on and, and, he, and he connects this passage to, to marriage and being single and things like that. So what's the deal here? Basically, when he says called, he's talking about when you got saved, when you were born again. Um, wherever you were, when you got saved, he basically says, stay put and serve God. So if you were a bond servant, so that's, it's not like slavery we, we, we talk about in, in American history. It was like debtors, uh, if you owed a debt to somebody, you would have to go and work for them to pay off that debt. Um, you would go into servitude if you were basically poor and homeless to, to, somehow get yourself out of that. So that it usually wasn't a life sentence. Uh, but Paul's saying, look, if, you're, if you got saved and you're in this situation, you, you need to serve faithfully in that situation. He talks about circumcision and uncircumcision and how that, that's, you know, that was an issue back then we don't really deal with. But he even goes on in, in, in verse 25, he continues to talk about this issue in reference to being single. And he's like, look, don't don't focus on being single or 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 being married. And he, he talks to the married folks and he says, Look, if 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 you got saved and now you're married to someone that's not a believer, don't don't seek divorce from them. Don't wish that you're not married all of a sudden. So single, married, it doesn't matter. Like wherever you're at in life. Be content with where you're at and serve the Lord. Um, getting married, having kids, all that does is expose a discontent heart. It, those are not formulas to contentment. Um, it, it might take away your craving briefly after you get married, but it's going to come back with a vengeance. Um, same thing with kids. Like that cute little baby will only satisfy your heart for a little while, and then you'll go back to being discontent. We cannot look outside of ourselves for contentment. This can only be solved through faith in Jesus who changes our, the heart and makes the heart content. Uh, Philippians, the guys, the book of Philippians may be one of the best books to read if you're really having a hard time with, with this, just the whole book. Uh, but I want to just reference a few passages. Chapter 1, verse 21, Paul says, this is maybe my favorite verse in all of Scripture, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's like a, a picture of a man who is content no matter what. And, and Philippians is kind of known as the letter of joy. The word joy comes up over and over. And Paul says in verse 19, yes, I will rejoice. And he's writing this from prison. He, 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 he had been dealing with so much persecution in Philippi and other places. And he had been put in prison. He had been beaten, persecuted for his faith. 
And he's basically saying, if, if I remain alive and in prison, then I'm good to go because then I can lead more people to Jesus, which he did even in prison. So he wasn't moping around, you know, feeling sorry for himself that he's in prison. Instead, he saw it as an opportunity to continue his work. But then he says, look, if I'm killed for my faith, for preaching the gospel, then I'm good because then I get to go be with Jesus. And that's even better for to me to live as Christ, to die as gain. That's what is behind this. This is a good example for us with contentment. You cannot beat someone. You you can't defeat them who is going to be content in in whatever circumstances they're in. Uh, Philippians 4 um, is a great chapter. I encourage you to read that. But but Philippians 4 verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. So that's the phrase you keep seeing in Philippians. And then he talks about um, just kind of key things for contentment. And one is prayer. And he talks about prayer taking away our anxiousness. And what is anxiousness but a symptom of discontentment? In verse 8, he says, focus on these things. And he talks about just different godly things that we should be focusing on. Whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is pure, focus on these things. Um, And then in verse 11, here's what he says. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to, to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundant and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Guys, this verse has nothing to do with success in sports and business, okay? So if you're using this verse in that way, please stop doing that. This verse is about being content in the Lord in all things. So in any and every situation, whether I'm in jail, whether I'm being beaten up for my faith, whether I am losing my job, uh, I'm poor, I'm rich, whatever the situation, I will be content because his contentment is found in the Lord. So I hope that this little series here, two-part series has helped you with understanding contentment and finding contentment in the Lord. If you have any thoughts, questions, please feel free to contact me. I'd be happy to talk with you about it. But thanks for listening. I will hopefully uh, have a new podcast for you next week. Thanks a lot.